Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast via Sports Canada. I'm your host William Lou speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors uh, put away the Houston Rockets uh, with relative ease, I would have to say, by a score of 122 to 111. Um, look, the Houston Rockets are down bad. <laughs> and they're down. They're really down. They're, I believe this is their 10th straight loss. Um, they're sliding fast. I mean, to be honest, it's a, it's a loss season for them. They're 11 and 20. Um, you know, they had, I mean, <laughs> let's just count what they had, okay? Um, they had James Harden demanding a trade to start the season, you know, showing up to, well, choosing not to show up to training camp, uh, but instead going to strip clubs and violating COVID protocol. Then he finally shows up to training camp, um, and, you know, there were some uh, incriminating pictures, I would say. Um, didn't appear to be uh, in, let's say, playoff game shape. And um, then, of course, he gets traded. Then the team loses Christian Wood, who was, like, the only good thing. Well, not the only good thing. I thought John Wall's been a pretty nice positive for them. But, you know, that happens. Of course, they trade, trade Russell Westbrook. So, big changes. They change the head coach. And uh, Christian Wood goes out. He'd been giving them, like, 20 and 10. And I don't know, man. It's it just kind of sad watching them. It really was. I mean, it was a really easy win in the sense that the Raptors didn't have to work that hard to get what was, at, at the end, a very... Um, you know, easy win, and, um, you know, of course, there were tight moments, of course, like, you know, the Raptors built the lead to 23 points, and then in classic Raptor fashion, they stopped scoring for, like, I don't know, like, three minutes, 
And the the Houston Rockets are able to make a comeback. You know, the Rockets went from shooting like 0 for 10 from 3 in the third quarter to like making a bunch of threes. And, okay, they're making a comeback, but there's just no life in that team. They got the lead down to six points with uh, four minutes, like four and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I'm watching, and I'm like, damn, the Raptors just playing with their food. Like, please go just go finish this out, close it out. Like, it's got a professional effort. Like, don't give a game away. But... There was really no threat of that. I, it's like the Raptors just put the starters back in, and they pumped that lead up to 13 really quickly, and it was game over. I mean, maybe I was silly to to, uh, to 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 doubt even a little bit, but like the Rockets just had no life whatsoever, and um, just bad vibes all around from that team. You know, it, obviously guys there are very temporary. Um, John Wall got traded there; he didn't want to go there. Um, of course, you know he's very loyal to the DC area. I was played there his whole career, and um, yeah, I mean, of course, he gets blindsided with that trade, so he doesn't really want to be there. He's trying to make the best of his situation because he hasn't played in two years, but you know, it's still not his choice. Um, Victor Oladipo got traded there; he's an unexpiring deal. You know, he's just kind of passing through. Uh, PJ Tucker literally wants to get traded, and he's made that very clear. You know, Eric Gordon probably the same deal, and they got some some random young guys, but also it's just a lot of random guys and. Um, Sad situation. Whereas, if you compare the Rockets to the Raptors, Rock, Raptors, just lots of good vibes all around tonight. And, of course, it's a difficult situation because uh, the Raptors announced earlier in the day that um, Nick Nurse is uh, one of uh, six coaches for the Raptors who are uh, in the health and safety protocols. I believe this is the first time coaches have gone into that protocol, so I'm not totally sure what happened. Again, these guys are very tight-lipped with details. Every time you get uh, Bobby Webster and you ask him a question about COVID, he's going to... Um, he, he's got one of the best, like, <laughs> I'm here just so I just don't get fine uh, responses. He's just very tight-lipped about everything. But, um, yeah, so the coaching staff is, is out. I mean, we made jokes for, like, half the day about the fact that Nick Nurse was going to have to coach the team through Zoom. He's going to have to use the raise hand function to uh, call timeout. Or, you know, he's, he's going to start cussing out the refs and the refs are just going to hit the mute button or anything like that. Um but, of course, that didn't actually end up happening. I mean, of course, that probably wouldn't have happened. The Raptors would have found a coach. The only issue was there were six coaches. So that was going to be tough. And, of course, the fact that, at least up to this point, um, Sergio Scariola, one of the three uh, lead assistant coaches, had been away in, 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 in Poland coaching um, you know, the Spanish national team. And he only returned uh, on Monday, shortly after the Raptors uh, won against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. So, um, you know, it was uncertain. Of course, Scario Scario just so happened that he f- concluded his uh, pro, uh, his his quarantine um, in time to coach this game, and it was a difficult circumstance. Like describing it, it was a very very you know, as you can imagine, a whirlwind day. It's not something that you can just prepare for something like this. Um, and you know, the Raptors t- typically for a game like this, especially if you don't have practice, you're gonna do a morning walkthrough, right? You you get the players down. You, you take them through film, maybe even put them on the court, um, you know, basically just prepare for a game, right? Um, like studying for an exam. And, you know, they couldn't even do that, I think, probably because none of the coaches were available to do it. I don't think Scariolo finished his quarantine until midway through the day, probably had to submit two negative tests or something like that. And so they basically did all that stuff pregame, which is, generally speaking, if, I mean, pregame, I mean, players roll in, there's like a TV in the side and they're they're, they're showing film, but... Um, I don't know how many players are watching that thing in entirety. Uh, probably not, man. That's, you know, 
it's probably like uh, the the YouTube ads. Like you know, you know, they'll give you like f- f- five seconds before you can skip the video, and you watch exactly five seconds. They hit that you spam that skip button. So uh, I'm not totally sure how the Raptors fully prepare for this game. Um, I'm not even sure how the Raptors found a coaching staff for this game, to be honest, because it seems like, okay, if one of the coaches, something happened to them, they're, they test positive or they were exposed, and then they were in a meeting, like, you would figure that's just kind of it, right? But the Raptors, you know, they had Scariolo because just out of pure luck that he was available. I mean, he was coaching overseas, so there was like a FIBA bubble, and so he came back, so that probably shortened the time uh, needed to quarantine there. Um, and then, you know, you look at, the guys Raptors had, I mean, they actually had a decent number of coaches available. I thought, you know, a lot of guys you would recognize, like basically all the uh, developmental coaches. And, you know, there's like, uh, of course, there's like two types of coaches. Some coaches overlap, whatever. It's, it's not strict, but developmental coaches are basically the guys that are on the floor to like work out with these guys. Um, you know, when you see, if you come early to a Raptor game, for example, which hasn't happened in over a year, that's pretty wild. Um, we come over, you know, early to a game, you'll see like Jamal McGlure, like just like working out with like the big guys, uh, or like uh, Mark Tyn- uh, Tinsdale um, working out with Pascal Siakam and Pascal attacking him one-on-one and just roasting this man repeatedly. <laughs> or like Jim Sand and stuff like that. So that's basically what they had. And, and that's the, those are the three they had. And, you know, those guys were the lead assistants, and one of the lead assistants was Nick Nurse tonight. And, and honestly, Sergio did a great job. You know, I thought, um, again, the, the coaching in these circumstances is very difficult. And realistically, it's not like you're going to have the most prepared team and the most prepared game plan. So what you need to do really is just manage the course of the game. And the course of the game was, you know, I thought managed quite well. Again, the Rockets don't put up that much of a fight, but there are a unique opponent based on the way they play, right? They play five guards, pretty much, on the perimeter. Their tallest guy is Jayshon Tate, who, I mean, I don't know, man, six, yeah, six, four, six, five. Right, like look at their starting lineup. PJ Tucker is we know PJ Tucker is six four. Daniel House is like six five, and mostly because you know he has a lot of hair. Uh, Jay Sean Tate is six four, six five. John Wall's like six three, and Victor Oladipo is like six three. That's their starting five. So you know, obviously that's not a starting five that's going to succeed that much, especially when they don't play together, but um, or play for each other. But at the same time, you know that's still a group where it is unique because you're not seeing a small ball group like that all the time. And of course, the Raptors, you know, again, fortunately, they've been playing a lot of small ball recently. But, um, you know, no Pascal tonight. Uh, apparently, he was also in the health and safety protocol. I don't know if, like, six coaches were working on Pascal or something. I don't know, what, what, know what happened. I don't even want to speculate. But, you know, that there was a decision to be made as in terms of the rotation. They chose Chris Boucher to fill that spot in the starting five. I didn't think Chris did that great in that starting group. Um, I think the, the Rockets five out system kind of took away a lot from what Boucher usually does, which is play pick and roll, uh, get downhill, use the speed to beat the defender, uh, the big man. When the, and usually, you know, when Boucher screens, two guys are going to the ball and Boucher's open for rolls or, or, or pick and pop threes. Uh, because the Rockets were small, they were switching everything, like absolutely everything. So um, there wasn't many opportunities for Boucher to get open on a pick and roll or pick and pop. So, um, he wasn't able to affect the game as much. Also, he had some open threes, and he just missed those. Like, he had an air ball today. That might have been his first air ball of the season. Um, so, you know, Scariolo decides to run extended lineups sort of, um, you know, between the Raptors starters and the bench. You know, OG picked up some early foul trouble, so he went to the bench a little bit as well. The Kyle had some foul trouble late. You know, it, it was, a, you know, of course, you just you got to coach. You got to manage a team. But, again, that's something that's not unusual. I mean, like, listen, 
Sergio's a very accomplished coach, right? He, he's he's won tons overseas. He's obviously the coach in the national team for Spain. Won gold medals there. Um, you know, won silver medals in the Olympics. You know, like is, <laughs> the dude obviously he knows how to coach. So of course he did a really good job managing the group. And honestly, there were just no issues. Like I thought the team played well together. There were droughts offensively at times, and I think the switching defense can sometimes be a very tricky look for the Raptors to sort of solve only because when you're switching a lot teams kind of generally try to go one-on-one right okay you'll switch fine I'll screen with the defender I'll screen with whoever is being guarded by the worst defender on the five then um you know you'll try to create a one-on-one opportunity and attack right of course like if you've seen any LeBron bas- playoff basketball in the last like decade you, you you know what I'm talking about I mean if you've seen the Raptors LeBron series uh, you've seen you've seen those so um you know, the Raptors kind of tried to do that, and sort of to, to varying degrees of success. I thought there were times where the Raptors, you know, got, um, what like, I thought the Raptors' offense looked good when they were in transition, right? Um, the, the Rockers were missing a ton of threes. They took 47 threes. They had, I don't know, 31 misses from three, so there was a lot of run-out opportunities, uh, and the, their transition defense wasn't that great either, so the Raptors were able to get free that way. Um, you know, I thought, honestly, when the Raptors played the regular pick-and-roll game, um, it didn't really produce the greatest results, but basically whenever the Raptors guards drove, there was no help on the inside for the Rockets. Like the Rockets, I mean, their, their lone big man tonight was, uh, Justin Patton, um, who my guy Sahal has been blowing up my, <laughs> my DMs about this guy for like months. Uh, and, and he's like a seven footer, but I mean, he basically just joined the team. So like they don't have any bigs. So pretty much whenever the Raptors guards drove, someone had to rotate over and I thought the Raptors did a better job when they were sort of playing and attacking the defense and driving inside. Because, again, there's no shot blocking. The tallest starter tonight was, like, 6'5". Um, but then again, you know, that was also hit or miss, too. I thought Fred, for example, was kind of miss, right? Like, Fred finished with 25 points, made five threes, got to the free throw line eight times. That's all the good stuff. But Fred was one for 12 on twos. <laughs> one for 12 on twos. I haven't seen him being that bad on twos since the Sixers series in 2019. Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, man. There were a lot of opportunities where Fred drove inside, forced it, was looking for the foul call. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, okay, maybe you got the call. But, like, I mean, realistically, the rest gave him eight free throws. That's pretty good for a regular Fred game. Um, but there were just times where he was driving against guys who are bigger than him. And even if you do create a switch and you're attacking and things like that, I think it was, like, when Fred drove to pass, much better results. When Fred drove to score, especially with the guy draped on him, it was tough. And one thing is just, you know, I'm not saying Fred can't drive to score. We've seen Fred drive against Giannis and score, okay? I mean, like, of course, he's totally free to call his number. But I thought the Rockets just had some pretty athletic guys that could kind of hang with him and sort of contest at the basket, you know, taking he wasn't really getting that much separation uh, because, off, you know, Fred usually gets separation off screens and the Rockets are switching those, so there wasn't as much... Uh, room to to maneuver there or a little much of an advantage. And then when Fred drove inside, I mean, like, a lot of these guys are more athletic than him too, right? Like, you know, this guy getting blocked. Like, he got blocked four times tonight, which is too many times. But on the flip side, you know, I thought Kyle did a really good job of sort of managing the game. Of course, Kyle sort of been was more of a playmaker uh, in terms of setting other people up than Fred. Um, Kyle had a triple-double tonight, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, super chill night for, for Kyle. And I thought Kyle did a good, really good job of just setting everybody up. You know, when he drove, he was looking to pass. Um, and, and, you know, Kyle made some really good plays, as he normally does. Um, 
super efficient night uh, six of nine from the field and that gave you 20 points amazing for Kyle and you know I, it was weird I mean Fred's struggling with the second unit a little bit um, and of late Fred has been doing a good job with the second unit but usually speaking when Fred is working with the second unit Fred is option number one two and three and then number four is like a bailout three <laughs> or like maybe a dunk um, you know so that wasn't working because Fred was struggling from the field overall so uh, Kind of Sergio kind of shifted the starting or the rotation a little bit. It was more of Kyle with the bench tonight, and Kyle did a really good job both with the starting group and the bench group. Man, just set everybody up. Like I thought, the Raptors were kind of I don't know they were kind of in the mud a little bit. I mean they were scoring because the Rockets just aren't good defensively or aren't good period. But uh, you know it kind of needed a spark still, and the Raptors got that spark from Kyle Lowry who was working with the second unit, and this guy was working magic with the second unit, man. Um, there's one play I remember at the end of the first quarter where Kyle it was like the the last shot of, of you know last shot of the quarter, and I think Bembry had the ball up top and Kyle Lowry was like had his back turned towards the basket, so obviously he wasn't even looking at the play and was just directing everybody else like a conductor would. You know what I mean? Like he's like over here, boom here. This is uh this is where the flutes come in and boom this is where you got to hear it from the uh the saxes and you know boom I need that I need that baseline from the tuba and and all this other stuff like Kyle was literally waving his hands and moving people around you know Aaron Baines go set the screen you to Watanabe get out of the lane and go to the corner you know that coach on the floor of course that that thing is that trope is used so often but it's very true like honestly you can see it working in real time Kyle Lowry sort of moving the chess pieces and the play worked Baines screened for Bembry there was a I think Kyle was also supposed to screen but the Rockets defense had given up a wide open lane so Bembry just went straight to the basket and got fouled and got two free throws it was great to see and then in that second quarter Kyle Lowry working the pick and roll with uh Baines this is you know against the Rockets second unit they did actually have a center there so they weren't switching as much and Kyle was even finding Baines for 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 like layups. Like honestly, I've I've already said this, but when you find Baines for a layup, that assist should be worth like three, and not just one. Be, you got to have a conversion fee for that one, man. It's like an import tax or something. But um, yeah, I mean Baines. I mean he, he you know Kyle got Baines to you know he got him in lob at the basket, and then it was an alley oop dunk, but it was still an alley oop. Like Baines caught the ball midair and, and put the ball in the net, which is an alley oop, for my opinion. Um. You know, I thought just the way that sort of um, the the rotation itself kind of worked its way out. I think it was a little bit more steady. Of course, there were other guys that were introduced, like Matt Thomas came in for one possession to sort of stretch the floor. Um, you know, that didn't really work out well. Uh, Stanley came in for a very short stretch. Pat McCaw came in for a very short stretch. But for the most part, solid um, nine-man rotation. Right, None of the starters played too many minutes. Fred played 38, but Fred plays 38 all the time. I don't know. He just he's one of the league leaders in minutes. Clearly he can handle it. But Bembry was was your sixth man. Watanabe was your seventh man, you know, along with Terrence Davis and Aaron Baines. And that was it. And those guys are the guys that were producing for the most part. I mean, you can maybe quibble with Davis a little bit. He he made some you know bad decisions, but he also made some good places too. He had a block, he, he made a three, um, you know, set up Kyle for a quick three as well. Uh so the second unit was working well, and then really, I mean in between all that, you just had Norm, who, who, like, again, this guy just gives you scoring, and it looks so easy. I don't understand. Like, Norm had played 33 three minutes. Of course, I knew he was hot throughout the game, but, you know, look at the box score, and I'm really surprised. I'm like, 30 points from Norm. Like, I mean, and again, it just feels super easy with Norm. I, I think he's in rhythm so often. When he's playing out there with playmakers, it, it's working great. Especially, you know, in these games where Norm can get going early in the first quarter, and 
Norm was, again, he, he hit the gates running, got some open threes. You know, he even got a pull-up three. Um, yeah, when he gets going early on, I mean, he usually sustains that and carries it over. And this is another game where, again, you, you kind of just need a guy who can score and, and finish plays for you. And uh, Norm is that guy. Like, he's that guy almost every night. And it's it's been a real, real joy to watch. Quite honestly, and I thought Norm was really crafty about the way he got his offense too, because you know obviously Norm's going to get his open threes in transition. He's going to get um, you know runouts. You know, of course, uh, when he has a guy closing a hard to him, he can kind of get into the lane and, and finish. We all know that, right? It's tricky footwork, all that stuff. But I think you're also starting to see Norm sort of introduce some other small counters. I thought, like for example, at least like three or four times, I saw Norm Powell pump fake. And try to create something. You know, he pump faked and got to the free throw line. He actually pump faked on back to back plays against Jay Sean Tate, who is generally speaking a pretty good defender. Um, and Powell's able to beat him. You know, Powell had you know PJ Tucker on him, and we all know PJ. And listen, PJ, I know he's not happy, but PJ still has pride. He's still got a guy who can guard. And the Raptors, um, you know, saw obviously we saw him twice. Uh, the Raptors drafted him, and of course he uh, came back to the Raptors in 2017. Uh, for a very memorable stretch before he left the Houston to chase a championship, which uh, didn't didn't really fully work out. He could have just stayed for that title. But anyway, still love PJ. No no hate whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I mean, even PJ got some some turns on Norm. And you would think, oh man, PJ Tucker, one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. Norm Powell just took PJ right to the block and, and, and just drove it inside and scored. And yeah, that's, that's Norm right now. He's just like stuck on automatic. <laughs> and it, it's... I don't know. It's just, again, everything comes within the flow. He's not forcing anything. He had nine points in the first quarter. And, yeah, I mean, he finished strong as well in the fourth quarter, uh, scoring eight more there. Three or three from the field. Got a three. Made an and one. No, Norm was Norm was great, as he uh, as he pretty much is every single night nowadays. Um, I thought OG had some good moments. Um, you know, he had a, a turnaround jumper out of the post, which is the second time I've seen him do it this season where he's just posting up. Usually against a guy who's smaller and OG just, like, turning around and shooting a fadeaway. Um, I don't know, man. If that's in OG's bag, uh, I would love to see it more often. It's a shot that I don't think any defense is expecting. Um, and he looks to be super balanced when he has it, which, of course, that is one of the issues with OG sometimes, that he loses his balance when he's trying to attack. And we've seen that today, too. Like, he had some turnovers trying to drive, forcing the issue. We all know, right? OG can sometimes drive and look mad awkward. But um, there are also times where he looks uncharacteristically smooth. And I thought um, that turnaround jumper looked really good for him. You know, cutting inside for dunks. You know, he had one at the end of the game. Um, you know, hitting a, a three at the top. He's not really getting as many looks from three uh, since coming back. And he hasn't really hit them as much. But one for three tonight is fine. Um, you know, and, and honestly, when OG wants to really lock in and defend, I thought early in the game, you know, he got slapped for some foul trouble. Um, he reached in a few times on John Wall or whatever. So, okay, so he didn't get involved too much early. But late in the game, when the Raptors needed to just, like, play three minutes of competent basketball to, to close it out and get the win, OG was everywhere defensively, securing defensive rebounds, you know, blocking shots. Like, he blocked John Wall. Yeah, you know, OG's OG. As we all understand, you know, we can trust a guy like that. For sure. Um, and I thought the guy who impressed me off the bench, in addition to, to Baines, was was Bembry. Bembry was really, really smart. Obviously, we know this. We've seen many games of Bembry now. We, like, we know what his game is about. But, like, you know, he plays that role really well. Like, basically, he has the same role that Pat McCaw used to have last season. But Bembry finds himself more involved more often. I think part of the reason is just he's more of a factor at the basket. 
Like, when you watch McCaw now and you see Bembry, you just notice. So, like, Bembry's, like, way bigger than this guy. And it's not like Bembry's that big. It's just McCaw's really slight. But Bembry's able to really finish around the basket, which was actually, I think, a concern of his coming in. Like, I saw some Hawks fans, I mean, you know, to the extent there are such things as Hawks fans, um, complain about DeAndre Bembry. I mean, of course, Bembry was was very adored, but he was also considered a guy who was inefficient. And, you know, the numbers do suggest that as well. But, um, you know, one thing that sort of I've seen quoted about him was that, you know, his finishing wasn't that strong. You know, and, and to be honest... And when I'm looking at the numbers now, it wasn't that good. I mean, he was finishing between zero and three feet, you know, 59.5% for his four years in Atlanta, which is is fine. It's not great. It's a little below average, quite honestly. Um, but this season, that number has bumped up with the Raptors to 77% within three feet. And I think a lot of those are just like Bembry playing off of guys who can play make and get him good looks. And what I mean by that is today, Bembry, you know, so the defense, you know, obviously, the, you know, people scout, they see the Bembry, or you don't have to scout, just look, open basketball reference, search up DeAndre Bembry, and you'll know he's a sub 30% three point shooter. So the defense was sagging way off of him when he was working the paint and when he had the ball up top. Defenders were kind of really uh, dropping back. You know, when he worked the pick and roll, the guys would drop, you know, go under the pick and roll, which is very rare nowadays in the NBA. I feel like teams don't really go under that much anymore. Um, but of course, that's probably because everyone can shoot the three. Uh, but you know, one way to sort of be effective offensively, especially when guys you know help off of you, is that you need to know when to cut and when to make an impact play and when to sort of catch the defense napping. And if your man's cheating off of you, when you catch him cheating, and you know you you, you go along the baseline and you score, and that's what the Raptors uh, did so well with memory tonight. Every single time. Fred or Kyle was driving, Bembry was along the and Bembry was along the baseline. This guy would try to like time his cut perfectly to get to the dunker spot, present himself for the dump off pass, and then finish. Finish strong too. Like there's there was one play in the third quarter where he got baseline, finished an and one. Um and then another time, exact same play, is on the baseline, pump fake, the defender lands on him. For some reason, no foul call, and Bembry throws up this like circus layup from like below his waist and kind of over his head, and that went in unbelievable play and Bembry was just great like literally he was just he worked that he worked that baseline all night and um you know he of course he's a guy who can finish in transition as well and yeah I mean even the ball handling you know sometimes it feels like nowadays like guys are pressing up into him a little bit and you are starting to see a little bit of the limitation of the ball handling but you kind of do need another ball handler on the floor just so that you can get Kyle or Fred off the ball as as a as a scoring threat uh, for that second unit when they're when they're playing those transitional lineups and Bembry has been consistently good in those so all around a good game you know Utah Watanabe with the Euro step another uh he missed his threes but had a really nice like banked in jumper uh after you know pump faking out of the corner getting inside and then uh shooting a little floating banked in jumper that was nice to see a little nice little bit of skill I, I want to see you to get more aggressive man I mean uh, I think the three is primarily the way he's going to score but he can do a little bit of that Bembry stuff too. I can tell he's he, he's smart. He can handle the ball not as well as Bembry, but he's bigger than Bembry. He's a bigger target. Uh, I want to see more from Utah as well. And it's nice to see that he got he got back into the rotation because he hasn't been playing much of late. Um, but yeah, seriously, nice win all around. And I thought you know the the best moment was really just like in these difficult moments, you know, when you have to sort of make do and whatever. And of course, that's the whole thing with COVID, right? Like you just got to make do and sort of be responsible and sort of figure it out. You know, it does produce moments where people can kind of step up and, and, and 
rise to the occasion, and and that's always nice to see. Like I thought, Scariolo did a really great job with with the, the, the coaching the team today. I'm not saying that that's the difference in the win win or losing, whatever. He didn't make like a box and one in the finals or nothing like that, but did a great job. You know, I you know I had no complaints about the coaching. Called timeouts when I felt you know like the team was you know, teetering a little bit. Um, you know, and it was great. Kyle Lowry chased down the game ball afterwards, as he does. He loves chasing it down. You know, afterwards, he, you know, Kyle was asked, you know, why do you always chase down the game ball? Kyle was saying how, you know, he saw MJ do it. He saw Kobe do it. So it's just a thing you can kind of pass down for generations and look back on these memories. I mean, why not? I mean, <laughs> the NBA caught plenty of basketballs, man. You know, you can they can afford to, uh, to to give up a few for um, commemoration. And, and Kyle... Um, of course, as he always does, you know, like earlier in the season when he chased it down for Fred, like after the NBA Finals when he chased down the rebound and, and got the, the the NBA Game 6 championship ball in 2019, um, when Nick Nurse got his first win as a head coach. Uh, I remember Kyle giving it to him. Um, you know, Malachi Flynn getting the, the, the game ball um, when he scored his first NBA basket. I mean, like, listen, man, Kyle Lowry, he, honestly, he might, he might owe the NBA a check, to be honest. He's, he's taken a lot of balls from these guys. Kyle Lowry's basically like the, uh, the roof of a, uh, of, of a junior school. Um, if you've ever uh, climbed the, uh, the roof of your elementary school, you will find like probably like 65 basketballs up there just from people roofing balls. I don't know if people still do that nowadays. I guess people are all at home in, in virtual classrooms, but back in 2000 and, uh, 2003, that was my shit. Um, in any case, yeah, great moment. Kyle Lowry presenting the ball to Sergio Scariolo, and and Sergio said after the game, you know, like it's, it's amazing, you know, it's this part. These are these small little things that Kyle Lowry does makes the team feel like a, like a family, and that's so true. That is so true, man. And Kyle is like the dad for the whole group. Um, you know, he he even provides for guys like the coaches who are, you know, like double his age or whatever. But you know, that's that's Kyle. So uh, that's why. Any sort of conversations about trading Kyle or all this other stuff. I mean, it's like, would you trade your dad? Like, would you trade your dad? Like, just, just if you have a dad, uh, if your dad is still with you, would you trade your dad? I wouldn't trade my dad for anything. Uh, so, you know, it, that's that's kind of where you're at. So, uh, in terms of your three stars, first star goes to Kyle Lowry. 20 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Should really be 11 with the uh, the game ball to Sergio at the end. 6-9 from the field, 4-5 from three, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line, plus 22. It was actually real cute that... The Rockets had David Nwaba, who tried to sort of get under Kyle Lowry's skin, you know, get physical, you know, like try to like, you know, knock the guy out a little bit, you know, like a bench guy versus like a starter, you know, like knock the guy out. He's real cute, man. It's it's real, real adorable uh, trying to poke the bear. I mean, Kyle Lowry, he, he didn't even give him the time of day and just came in and closed the game. Kyle was great, man. Uh, sensational. Plus 22 in the night. By far the best plus minus on the team. Uh, second star goes to Norman Powell, 20, thirty points, three rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. But really, when you when you see Norm's stat line, what you need to read is the points and how efficiently he did it, because that's generally all that matters. That's that's his job is to go get a bucket, and he got a lot of buckets tonight, very efficiently. Ten of fifteen from the field, four of eight from three, six of six from the free throw line for Norm in thirty three minutes. You know. Again, the, the 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 coolest part was just how smooth he got all of that. It was a very very easy night for him. Um, and again, it's, it's scary that he can make thirty points look easy. And third star, honestly, Fred's got a lot of stars. You know, you know Fred. You know, I, I, the two point shooting again, one for twelve from the field, getting blocked four times. I just can't overlook that. So I'm gonna give it to Bembry, man. Bembry, thirteen points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, four of six from the field, uh, missed his three, but was five of five from the free throw line. I mean, that's a pretty efficient outing for a guy who, again, doesn't really shoot the ball. 
Uh, so I thought Bembry was very smart in the way he played. Um, you know, there were some times where, you know, okay, you know, he turned the, the ball over against the full court press and, and that kind of led to a, a bad stretch there. Um, you know, he, he overplayed on a pass, lost, you know, and gambled for a, a, a ball. Didn't get it. The, the Rockets got a transition three rappers called timeout. Like, you know, stuff happens, right? But I don't know whole memory was quite good. And I enjoy very smart players. And Bembry is a very, very smart player uh, who knows how to make the right play. And he's unselfish. And he, um, tonight, he even scored. So it's, it's all good. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, I, this one's really tough. Um, I I, I might have to give it to David Nawaba, a.k.a. still by Nawaba, still by the Raba. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the fact that he drew two fouls on Kyle Lowry in the fourth quarter and actually... Forced Kyle to go to the bench because at that point he had five with like early in the fourth quarter. Um, that alone is is enough because I don't think anyone else did that much. Eric Gordon got some shots. He made them. You know we know he can do that. Oladipo scored. John Wall scored. You know PJ Tucker, Daniel House. You know whatever. I you know I'm just giving it to Nawaba. Honestly, if you can get under Kyle's skin, which he didn't really do, but he did pick up two fouls on Kyle. That's probably more than most of the other guys did against Kyle tonight. So. That does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see what happens with the Raptors. I mean, man, I, I remember saying like earlier in the week, I was like, you know what? You know, the schedule's coming out. Raptors haven't been impacted by COVID that much, you know, knock on wood. Um, and then this happens. So we'll see. Hopefully Pascal can come back soon. Um, of course, that's the biggest loss. And of course, hopefully we get Nick on the on, on the sideline soon. I'm really, really curious as to what Nick did tonight, uh, how he coached the team or... Well, so first off, you can't actually coach the team. It's against the rules. During the course of the game, there's no communication from, like, you can't have a cell phone on the bench or, like, some sort of, like, you can't be, like, what's happening. Uh, or, you know, just you can't FaceTime. Like, you can't have that contact, outside contact. So um, I'm curious to see how Nick watched this game. If he, it was, I like to think that he was in isolation. So probably some, like, hotel room somewhere, um, you know, probably with his, like, guitar and keyboard in the corners. Uh, and like I don't know, man, eating Fisherman's Friends, and I, I just I don't know. I have this image of of Nick Nurse turning on his TV in his hotel room, kicking his feet up, maybe wearing his shoes on the hotel bed, and uh, and, and eating like three packs of Fisherman's Friends or something, and then <laughs> during halftime going to play uh, Wonderwall on his guitar. I don't know, man. It, it just I, I'm very curious. Like, what is Nick doing in isolation? So. Hopefully they're all good. Honestly, jokes aside, like COVID's obviously no joke. Like, you know, hopefully everyone's all good. Um, you know, again, the Raptors have been very fortunate uh, to this point, um, both this season and last season, with not being impacted directly as much by COVID. So, uh, hopefully, it remains that way. But again, Raptors were able to make the, the best of a difficult situation. They're able to get the win, and yeah, we'll see what happens going forward. So, it's all really touch and go for now, but. You know, they, they won. That's the most important part. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, continue, Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll be back on Sunday when the Raptors play again.